Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Doors of Portland. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving West Portland out to Hillsboro, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to come back to the Democratic Party platform of Oregon, Democratic Party of Oregon platform, excuse me. And hit up article number four. We have Xander Almeida back for this episode. Hello, listeners. And we're going to attempt to do our very first remote episode since we're all kind of locked down from coronavirus. So we also have Nick here. Rona Rig 2020, baby. We're doing this remote. Joining us by Skype. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Article four, foreign policy and national security, veterans affairs, the military treaties, trade agreements, and foreign aid. So I would just like to say, we in the, at the ORP platform convention, we made a motion to remove our foreign policy section altogether. And it failed by a single vote. So what, what do we think about leaving this in? Like if we could rewrite the DPO platform, I know we'd have a lot of changes, but would we remove this section entirely? So my understanding of the whole reason that this uh, article exists in either the ORP or the DPO is it just because of the fact that we do have senators and congressmen and women that do have to represent the uh, you know the the various parties of Oregon in Washington D.C. So it that's the only reason to have it at all. But it's such a minimalist point of what the actual state parties have to deal with. That it's almost not relevant. Yeah. Is my opinion. I mean, at least with the ORP, it's basically what do we want Greg Walton to do? Right. We have essentially one, one voice in Washington and the Oregon Republican Party. Right. And, and, but you know, like, like the DPA was as a bigger stake in this because they control everything else. That's true. Where they send to Washington, um, you know, the other, uh, was it four house five? Four, just four. five, five total. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. So the other four plus the two senators. So that makes a little bit more sense um, for them. But again, you know, powers shift sometimes. Um, but yeah, it it's less relevant for the ORP. And the ORP, I think, is so much more. Last time I looked at the platform, there's so much more just like you know putting the pedal on the accelerator. See um, that that it's like this is even more like controversial and irrelevant and yet you just keep gunning forward for reasons that i cannot understand well and like even the state party trying to claim lordship over like okay united states senators united states congressmen here's what we want you to think on these particular set of issues let's just have this zany far left dogmatic thing that you know we're going to try to hold you to and it's just like that doesn't that doesn't have anything to do with the state of Oregon like you can't came, claim jurisprudence over Jeff Merkley on something like this like he's a united states senator all right well let's move on to the uh the intro i guess the preamble preamble whatever that thing's called i got you buddy <laughs> Oregon Democrats recognize our responsibilities extend beyond state and national boundaries and that our interests require global cooperation we believe in a strong military in line with the military threat to the United States, providing for the common defense while protecting and observing the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Geneva Convention, and the right of all persons to live in peace while enjoying the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We believe in a world free from war and violent conflict using American strengths such as diplomacy, technology, developmental assistance, and aid to confront global threats and ensure that the use of American military power or war is always a last resort. 
I actually have not a whole lot of problems with that. To be perfectly honest, like other than Oregon Democrats recognize responsibilities extend beyond the state and national boundaries, spoiler alert, they don't. I'm completely. That, like, that's a that that, that entire that, that paragraph is. is I'm yeah. I'm with you, James. I'm 100 on board with. Okay, that's that's a good point. Apart from that, Xander, um, I, I I will say though that later on in this um, in this whole uh, planks that they have as part of this article, they state how they're really against nation building, but yet they also want to go and push, you know the tenets of our American democracy in other countries in foreign policy, which is a little, a little hypocritical. So I don't know how you do that unless you're wanting to do some sort of nation building, like using the state department in other nations to go and pursue our ideals in them is kind of nation building. Mm. I don't, I don't know what the difference is unless one of you can explain that to me. I mean, I know you James are the only veteran here at the table, but is there much of a difference? No, sounds about right. I, I will okay. chalk this up too. So uh, we've said this a couple of times in the DPO and then the ORP as well is there's a lot of contradictions within these things because they're, they're built by committee. They're not built by, right. um, there's not one central person who's writing these. They're written by the party. Whoever shows up. Right. And so if you get a person who's very, like very gung ho about a specific plank, a lot of times they can convince 50% plus one to go on with it. Even if it's not consistent with the rest of the of the document, so yeah. But aside from that, I really have no real objections to the preamble at all. It seems pretty solid into what American foreign policy should more or less be. Here, here. But to Nick's point, yeah, on the Oregon side, yeah, yeah. We, we should focus on <laughs> the state of Oregon. Lol. Anyway, all right, moving along to the planks. Uh, plank one, we pledge and affirm our commitments to honor all our international treaty obligations and support the United Nations, as well as other international institutions and standards of conduct that protect the American people and the well-being of people worldwide. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like NAFTA was an international obligation, just as, what is it, USMCA, whatever it's called now, and Bernie Sanders was taking swings at that every single chance he could and now obviously he's a national democrat it doesn't have anything to do with the oregon party platform but i mean he's also not really a democrat well he's a, he's an independent hashtag he's a fake democrat. mostly true <laughs> but <laughs> he's only a democrat when he runs for president the rest story. of the time he's not now he's an idea but but honestly like this is everybody on the left at least on the far fringy parts of the left especially the people who would show up to the dpo convention and write something like this they they would undercut any type of treaty that they don't like period, full stop. Like, they don't pledge or affirm their commitments to honor all international treaties in any way whatsoever. So I have a little little bit of a a different take on this. This, I think, is much more of a dig on Donald Trump for throwing most of our other kind of international trade alliances and, 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 you know, military alliances to, to, to the wind. This is much more, I think, of a dig on Donald Trump for throwing our, you know, or other previous alliances and, and trade agreements to the wind. Uh, that's what I view this as, is like the Democrats trying to go and affirm to our international partners and, and allies that we're not going to abandon you like this president has. I view that much more of that than what you're talking about, Nick, personally. Hmm. And I mean, I, thing I, think I don't just... disagree with that sentiment at all. I just, I feel like they should have worded it better. Probably like a oh, lot of this. You're not wrong. <laughs> What I think is interesting, and this is as I've been knocking doors and talking to more Democrats in the district, and I've noticed that this is a very kind of, I don't want to say Democrat-specific, but sort of left-leaning thing to appeal to the highest authority possible. And I think it's interesting that they talk about here, support the United Nations. And some of the, a lot of the Democrats that I've talked to, again, knocking doors, doing my whole political thing, a lot of people look to the federal government, a lot of Democrats look to the federal government to fix their problems. And rather than state, local, or, you know, they themselves. And I think it's interesting that the DPO platform will go up to the next level and, and support the United Nations as though the United Nations is the next higher rung of authority that they can appeal to. I don't know if that's true or not, but it just sort of seems interesting that seems consistent with, with what I've heard and talked to people. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And I think it's 
also kind of unnerving that you have so many, you know, far left Democrats in this state that are willing to go and secede authority over to an international organization rather than using the methods that they have within their own, you know, city, county, state to go and make their lives better. That's actually kind of unnerving. Yeah. Here, here. All right. Plank number two. We believe in abiding by the Geneva Conventions, especially with regard to torture, rendition, indefinite detention without charges, and extrajudicial executions worldwide. Ladies and gentlemen, the DPO is against torture. Congre- <laughs> Breaking <laughs> job, news guys. here on TRR. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit on that right now. Okay. Because the GOP isn't. Hmm. I mean. I hate when things have to be spelled out, you know, but the the GOP since, you know, uh, George W. Bush has not been anti-torture. They've been fine with it. And so if you want to make a distinction along party lines, this is the way to do it. It sounds stupid, you know, but we have done some pretty awful things over the last, you know, 15 years and the war on terror and whatnot. And we've been and this party has been fine with it. And it's disturbing to me. With so, very few exceptions with people like, you know, Senator John McCain. Um, but aside from that, like, we've been like, that's fine. I think, Xander, I think you are correct in that we have done some terrible things in the past 20 years since the war on terror started. But I think the we in this situation is we, the United States. I think, while not certainly torture specifically, I think that was much more confined to the Bush administration Yes. The number of extrajudicial killings that were carried out in the Obama administration would horrify any of the people who actually sat and wrote this thing out. President Obama was as much of a hawk, if not more so, on foreign policy and would be loath to agree with any of this stuff. And I think that Republicans, while we'd have to look at what the National Party and what the State Party says vis-a-vis torture specifically, I'd like to think that... Republicans in the GOP were pro-torture so long as it was believed that that would lead to evidence, the next person up the rung, whatever. Once it became clear, and you guys, I think, are both maybe more experts in this uh, than I am, but once it became clear that torturing somebody is a way to get him to talk about anything, not necessarily a way to get him to talk about actual accurate information that is actionable, we've kind of shied away from that. And I like, I, at least as a member of the Republican party, that's the camp that I would fall in. I had no problem with torture back in the day when we thought it was going to lead to us catching Osama bin Laden and stopping the next nine 11. Once it became clear that that's not the case, I would never want to see somebody get tortured again. And I'm fairly certain if I remember correctly, that the ORP platform also talks about there being, being opposed to torture and, I think we made the same joke. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I mean, I will agree with you, Nick, that the Obama administration's use of like drone strikes was insane, like threefold over the uh, Bush administration. Um, and no one really likes to talk about that, uh, with the exception of a, a one certain John Oliver who made a whole segment on that, which was actually really nice to see. And three um, Oregonians on a podcast. Yeah. yeah. Even today, though, like I, I remember hearing statements from Trump that he's just saying, you know, if torture works, it works. But like, there's no evidence that it well, ever it works. Yeah, right. There's no evidence that it works, has ever worked, or will ever work. And it's more of like I think a kind of a sadistic thing that people just want to do to their enemies to make them feel pain for what they've inflicted upon us. And that's not the way to run foreign policy. So I think we, the three of us, can agree that the that we agree with this plank. Yes. In, in totality. Yes. Whether or not it should be included is up for debate, but it seems that both parties have something similar to this in their platform for various reasons. So anyway, I think we're we're all on the same page that mm-hmm. torture is bad. And we got it. All Just right. Just don't do it. Let's go to plank number three. We believe American interests and values are best represented and served when our military, law enforcement, and civil servants are comprised of people of all races, religious, cultural, cultural heritage, sexual orientation, and gender identification. 
Xander, it sounds like you have something you wanted to say. Just for the listeners who unfortunately can't see what just happened. <laughs> who can't, Xander who can't see. Xander was so taken, was so overcome with emotion at reading this blank that he sat back in his chair and his hat actual fell off. He lost his hat on this one. I I did because this is one of those just absolute platitude things to say that makes no difference it doesn't solve anything it doesn't go any further with anything else it's just a we're gonna throw you some was it tofu meat i don't know Um, (laughs) we're gonna so we're gonna throw you some soy curls so you feel better about the plank but like who cares you know if you're the best person for the job you're the best person for the job i mean i don't like this plank serves no purpose other than to give platitudes to people who want them and that's obnoxious to me, regardless of what party does it. And I would say that races, cultural heritage, religions, those those three things have never been like those have never been an issue. That like all races, all religions, all cultural heritage have been fully welcome in all branches of the military, law enforcement, civil service. It's the sexual orientation and gender identification that I think are the the things here and. We can probably have a whole podcast on <laughs> on that. Well, I'm sure we could. I mean, even back in the 18, 1850s, like they were, you know, Jewish cabinet members in the United States, which would have been unheard of almost anywhere else in the world. You know, like we've been pretty progressive with that. I mean, not as much as we should be, but like we, we've been pretty progressive with that as a country for a long time. Hmm. And so it's just like, like, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary to have that that in there. Unless you just want to appeal to people. And that is, again, kind of insulting, I think, to these people in general to say that, like, you know, you're not worthy enough as your own. So we have to go and fill this in there so you feel worthy enough. Because, again, if you're the best at what you do, then you're the best at what you do. It doesn't matter what your orientation or whatever else it is, is like, just yeah. be the best and you're in. So that's, that's all I'm- it should be. I'm very much in agreement about being being the best at something. I do think there there is something to be said for seeing leaders, especially military leaders and law enforcement leaders, as if you are a gay person or a trans person, that you see somebody like you there and you feel represented and you don't feel like you're going to be chagrined or talked down to. Xander, I agree with you that it's it shouldn't even merit mentioning. Like, Of course it should be clear that we want the best person for the job. We want everybody to feel comfortable. We don't want anybody to feel like the cop or the military is out to get them. But I mean, if it costs you three lines on a PDF that nobody but a couple of 30 year old guys on a podcast are ever going to read, then <laughs> I, you know, I'd say, why not throw it in there? I'd, say, I'd, I'd like to just control C and control V this into the ORP platform. All right. Yeah. Like I said, I could probably talk for an hour on this. So I'm going to refrain because anyway, um, <laughs> plank four, we pledge to work nationally and globally to stop nuclear proliferation. We will work to continue the meaningful reduction of nuclear stockpiles and to eliminate chemical, biological, and other weapons of mass destruction. We support the international ban on the removal of landmines. Sounds good to me. I have no qualms. I see this one I I would say is unnecessary. I don't like unless there's a, another cold war that's going on right now that I wasn't aware of. I, we're not continuing to build up our nuclear arsenal. We're not We are though actually, Nick. Is that right? How well I hit No, the that. Trump administration has actually gone and put forward um creation and deployment of low yield nuclear weapons in um in our arsenal. All right, well I maybe he knows something I don't. Then I like I thought. Yeah, we but were he shouldn't do that good. anyways. That's bad. I kind of feel like we had plenty of nuclear weapons to begin with. But I mean, just in general, I I take umbrage but, with the, especially on the left, the the demonization of all things nuclear. And we can go find the other environmental plank, and I'm sure they knock nuclear power in there, and they want wind and solar and whatever. But like, nuclear is good. Nuclear is progress there's i mean i'm halfway through watching chernobyl yes there's a lot that we need to like be careful of and work on but like the the general demonization of something that is overall a good thing i feel like is a is just a dog whistle to the far left in the party that says hey we're cool 
I'm I'm going to disagree with this a little bit. If it's having to do with nuclear power, I would 100% agree with you. When you're talking about nuclear arsenal, then I don't agree at all. Um, and the fact that this administration is continuing the development of low-yield nuclear weapons for actual battlefield deployment is disturbing. So I'll I'll push back a little bit on that one. While I think that overall we should be reducing our nuclear stockpile, that is also in response to the global threat. And I think that I I don't know much about like what you're talking about the low yield nuclear weapons. Um, they also serve as a deterrent. You know, if we are the only ones who have nuclear power, and so this I guess this kind of sits all all in one. You know, you're or put this put this plank all together. If we are stopping nuclear proliferation, then it means that only cur- countries that currently have nuclear arms would have them. Like new new countries do not are not able to develop them, um, which is the idea, right? I don't think like this. Nuclear weapons are a, are a a Pandora's box. Like once it's opened, you can't shut it again. And as long as a country other than the United States has nuclear weapons, the United States needs to have nuclear weapons as well i don't disagree as as the as the sole superpower in the world we need to be at least as well armed as the next but we're 10 times as well armed as our next foe that's that's part of the problem that well i think this plank is starting to address is that and that's why we have the arsenal to go and blow up the world 10 times over do we need that like what's the point of that well that's what i'm saying is why i don't have a problem with this because i would say we will work to continue the meaningful reduction of nuclear stockpiles i think we don't need nearly as many as we have especially since there isn't a cold war going on we don't have a ussr that is building nuclear stockpiles at the same rate that we are so i would i would be for reducing these Russia has 6,500 nuclear weapons. The United States has 4,018 nuclear weapons. So we don't actually have 10 times as many as the next superpower. We don't have as many as the next superpower. No, I'm saying we have 10 times the nuclear power to blow up the Earth just well, in our I, arsenal alone. That that's, I'm my, that's my sure argument. That's certainly true. And that's, and I, Xander, I'm, I'm definitely on board with you in that I don't necessarily see the need to continue to further build out this arsenal i think 4018 is plenty more than enough i feel like six <laughs> would probably be more than enough but yeah actually i don't like i feel like and the three of us understand this in this conversation but i feel like the conflation with nuclear weapons and nuclear power is just is mm-hmm. is too easy for a lot of individuals on the left can i say a really fun um thing i read once in a science magazine about the theory of why we have never gone and found uh, extraterrestrial life out there. Why is that? Is that no civilization across the globe has ever gone and gotten past the nuclear age. Sorry, not across the globe, across the, the, the galaxy. That every civilization that has gotten to the nuclear age has eventually gone and snuffed themselves out. It's the great filter argument. Yeah, it's so good. Fun anecdote. Continue. Um, I just before we move on, I just wanted to point out one other thing: international ban on and removal of landmines. That's huge. Yes, La- landmines is one of the things that is dis- so disproportionately awful. affects civilians on the battlefield. So awful. And so I think the one caveat to this is I believe that they are that they have landmines that are set for a period of time and will self disarm after. I don't, I don't know, a week, a month, a year. I, I don't know. But the ones that are just explosives with a with a clicker on top, those absolutely need to go and 100% support the removal and ban on landmines. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Plank five. Uh, we believe global trade should not come at the expense of national sovereignty, consumer, labor, or environmental protections. Nor should it degrade the health, dignity, or welfare of Americans, trade partners, trade partner citizens, or people worldwide. This is just this is a rough. This is, this is a bad use of commas and syntax. I feel like this is a poorly <laughs> written sentence overall. But I mean, I once again, this is a this is a party trying to impose its will, and it's like labor and environmental protections is the the thing that jumped out from my mind. You're going to try to impose. The Oregon Democratic Party's view of labor and environmental protections on the world. Like, bruh, come on. It's it's a little bit of insanity right there. Um, 
because you know that if they did that, you would not get the products you actually wanted to be shipped to Oregon because they couldn't function anymore. And if they did, they would be at, you know, tenfold the price. 100%. And so it's, again, another platitude thing to make yep. you feel better about yourself. That's not going to actually have any change at the end of the day. Well, you know who's taking this plank to the to the extreme and actually executing on it? Mr. Donald J. Trump. DJT, what's up, buddy? We believe global trade should not come at the expense of national sovereignty, consumer, labor, or environmental protections. That's the whole reason he put all these tariffs and like has been redoing all of our trade deals is because the tr- he <laughs> basically believes this plank. Global trade should not come at the expense of basically national sovereignty, not national sovereignty, and our way of life. Essentially, Donald Trump is in all likelihood, the most protectionist, democratic-leaningest president we'll have on trade issues for some time. <laughs> right? Congratulations, Democrats. Right? You have, we, have we forgotten? I mean, this is... Not wrong. Gosh, this is such a weird time in American history because you have Donald Trump, who is not really a conservative, representing the Republican Party, who is you know taking bits and pieces from both the Democrats and the Republicans. And of course, as a Republican, now the Democrats have to switch their views to be against that, and Republicans switch their views to be for that. And it, it had so stopped weird. being conservative and liberal, and now it's just—is it—is it our—is it team red or team blue? That's ridiculous. Hundred percent. Anyway, plank six. We believe all active duty and retired military reservists, member of the Oregon National Guard, Peace Corps volunteers, and Foreign Service veterans should be recognized for their service to our nation with all benefits awarded to their respective causes, statuses. Excuse me, James. Cool. I yep. recognize you. Thank you, Nick. James. There we go. We got it. Yes. I appreciate your service. Thank you, sir. Okay. <laughs> shall we, shall we just move on? I think yep. that's it, yeah. <laughs> Can't right. disagree with literally um, anything in there. <laughs> plank seven. We believe veterans with active duty in combat active duty in combat regions should be compensated accordingly and provided access to housing, healthcare, job training, and education. With facili- which facilitates reentry into civilian life and enables veterans to meet their basic human needs. Yep. So we're providing access to housing, healthcare, job training. Access to housing. What does that mean? Uh, does that mean you you just live for free someplace, or priority maybe priority? over other people? I think that's what I read into it. I, I don't so, know what that means, though. I believe you should have the ability to access housing. Well, yes. But shouldn't everybody? Yeah. <laughs> what, what does that mean? So here's here was my thought when I first read this. What does this say about veterans? That we need all the help. I mean, there, there are definitely people that have issues re- reintegrating to society. There's PTSD issues. There's all sorts of like, even just cultural changes of going from the military, which is very regimented and structured to civilian life that is very much not. But I think in the interest of trying to do something good for veterans, such as providing house, housing, healthcare, job training, education. I feel like if this just said, we believe veterans should have every resource available to facilitate reentry into civilian life, that's that's the thing that I would be like 100% on board with. But yeah, I mean, a cleaner James, way to say it, especially you're, you're much more in a position to say this than I am. Like, I don't know that you necessarily need a, oh, Hey man, thanks for serving your country. Like here's a free house. Here's a free car. Here's it's, free it's healthcare. It's condescending. Like, it's condescending is what it is. Yeah, it like, says, Oh, you can't take care of yourself. So we're going to come and take care of you. Yeah. You know, you, you've been at war for the last several years where you have to wake up every day and go kill people. Um, but you know, for you, we don't think you can figure out how to, get housing on your own or, you know, job training. We, you, you can't figure out how to enroll in college, even though you've just spent the last couple of years serving the country. I, I, I see, I think it's a little condescending. Here, I can here. definitely see that too. I think this is a condescending tone coming from a good place. Yeah. I, I think agreed, that they're trying agreed. to support veterans. I, I get that. But, 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 I, but I do see how it's condescending. It's basically saying that, you know, you're not smart enough to figure this out on your own. So here's government going to go and come and help you real quick because, you know, you little dumb dumb that had to go and join the military because it's all you could do. Yeah. It's kind of how I see it as, which again is, you're right, it's condescending. Yeah. All, all veterans do not suffer with the, from PTSD or the other issues. Like just, anyway. but if they do. Yes. Should if absolutely they do. be taken care of. 
Yes. Then the government should take care of them because of what they had to go through. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Plank eight. We oppose and condemn terrorism, genocide, torture, human trafficking, hex- sexual exploitation, and religious or political persecution, both at home and abroad. <laughs> I, Bold stance, D.P.O. Bold stance. Well done. The moral fortitude and courage it took to come up with that sentence makes me go and question all of my morals and ethics right now. So well done, you guys. Well done. All right. So, <laughs> joking aside, no, no issues with that one, but maybe, maybe not necessary to put it. Anyway. All right. Plank nine. We believe fair and freely accessible elections without foreign intervention are imperative to democracy. Do you want to do the slow clap for that one too, or should we? Oh, I'm I'm going to actually. Hold on, give me a second. <laughs> I mean, again, the amount of Democrats who have held the White House that have gone and interfered with the international elections to go and warp them to their own ways, as in, in addition to the amount of governments that both parties have overthrown, is just like like this is just a dig at Donald Trump. But again, which is fine; it's deserved. But like. The, hypo- the hypocrisy meter is off the charts right now. Right, it, like it's it feels like they're like as a party, their memory only goes back like three years. It's just like, all right. This is all we got. Don- Something happened with Donald Trump. Let's put it in the party platform. Well, to be fair, <laughs> the ORP does the same thing. They, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. And again, I, just for just for note, because I'm a really cool kid, um, I spent several days. Um, drinking a copious amounts of whiskey and reading every single GOP party platform convention from 1950 up until um, 2016. So I've seen how the party has actually, you know, ebbed and flowed with different weird ideas because I read all of it. Yeah. Like all of it. It took a very long time and several bottles of whiskey, but I did read all of it. And there are like, the Nixon administration, for instance, their GOP party platform would look downright progressive by today GOP standards. It's insane. Like they had things in their in their party platform about like Native American rights mm-hmm. and the contributions of Hispanics to to America. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? Really? Well, goody. Yeah, the the ORP platform these days. I mean, I think they even put in there specific, explicitly, like, we support Donald Trump and his blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, guys, this is a platform. It's not supposed to be like this. This There were a number of lines in there. I remember going through it and saying, guys, this will be obsolete in six months. Why is it going into our permanent platform that is updated every two years? I mean, they referenced the Hong Kong um, protests, which... Guess what? Now that coronavirus is hitting everybody, there <laughs> nobody's gathering. Like those are effectively over. But we, it's just anyways. Anyways, Bad. moving along. Um, okay, time. wait, wait, wait. wait oh. Before jumps, I'm sorry. Before you read this, listeners, strap yourselves in because the the magnitude of the leap that we are about to take between plank nine and plank ten of this is just this is absolutely insane. Everybody, get ready for this. <laughs> All right. Let me buckle up some more whiskey. Thanks for the warning, Nick. (laughs) Plank number 10. We oppose the weaponization of space, the moon, and the planets, which shall remain a public commons, and we support treaties to that effect. So, Ladies, gentlemen, and parties concerned, the Oregon Democratic Party opposes the weaponization of space, the moons, and the planets. So, all right, people I, on Saturn take notes. So this is going Hold well, on. well beyond foreign policy into interstellar policy. <laughs> this, is, this is a Matthew McConaughey movie now. Um, no, this is this is good. I so I while I while I <laughs> jokes aside, I would support this in principle. However, I don't believe this will ever happen. If anybody has read the book Ender's Game, they make a really interesting point about how it is impossible to defend a three D space. Because there's so much room in there, like the the number of of ships or whatever required to defend 3D space is what the cube of the 
distance from the center or something. You just can't do it. You cannot patrol something as large as space. And to say that we are going to outlaw weapons in space, like it's only a matter of time before space travel becomes commonplace enough that people start sending guns up there and there's no way to police that. So while I, I believe in this in theory, um, in reality, this is impossible. This or basically like the war on drugs. Let's not have drugs come into our country. Great. That's a good idea in theory. Yeah. Oh, wait. We can't stop that. Wah, wah. <laughs> but, but Saturn. But Saturn. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Plank 11. We hold the that obligations and responsibilities to veterans who performed active duty service in a combat environment should be substantially curtailed uh, based solely upon having general, other than honorable, bad conduct, or dishonorable discharge from the military. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah. So you had veteran thing, moon wars. Thank you. Veteran thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did they not think to put the things that were like in a similar this is, group? <laughs> this is this is what you do in in, in kindergarten. There so was torture fairly, in sentence a little two bit and sentence eight too. Like stick those all together, guys. <laughs> well. So, to be fair to the DPO, I'm trying to be a little bit, you know, not quite so partisan on this. But this is how we did it. Is you come in, you have the old pl- platform, and you add to the bottom of it. And people don't really pay much attention to the order of things. I know. I'm just laughing at it. I know. I'm just but if, trying to I get it. I've been there. run for office in a very democratic district and trying to be a little bit fair to the Democrats. <laughs> this well, and, and this is also, this is the Democrats. Like they run the state. They've got everybody elected to every single office. Like they couldn't have taken the time to like center justified the margins on this. Like it just everything about this document just screams unprofessional. And I, and James, you're absolutely right. that The DRPs is, is literally exactly as bad, but it's like the Democrats couldn't have taken like two seconds to be just like, slightly not as bad like you could have just done a little bit better and organized the order in which your sentences are presented to a reader like come on y'all yeah so basically i'll just go back to the actual plank itself and what this is basically saying is that if you are discharged from the military having general other than honorable bad conduct or dishonorable discharge you should have all of the rights and and privileges of any other veteran yeah which I which I don't disagree with. Yeah, I would say it. Uh, yes and no, because I don't know. Maybe this is just my experience, but when I was in, nobody got other than honorable discharge unless you did something pretty nasty. Um, general discharge was usually was like medical related, which I mean, obviously you can't ch- change that, and I don't think anybody will disparage anyone for having a general discharge. But like, I don't think I saw a single. Other than honorable, this bad conduct or dishonorable discharge during during my period in the army, and this is you know we had guys get caught doing cocaine. We had guys. I, I mean, it just like you have to almost literally rape or kill someone to get a other than honorable or dishonorable discharge. And I don't know. I feel like having a, a blanket statement like this is is difficult. Mm. I don't know that I would believe in this. I guess based solely on having, I don't know. TBD, I guess. Okay. Fair. All right. I think, well, I guess the bottom line for me is that I think you should look at each situation individually rather than having a blanket statement one way or the other. That's, Would my, also that's agree. my stance. Yeah. All right. Plank 12. We believe that supporting dictators serves to erode the, the respect, standing, and security of the United States as a pillar of democracy worldwide. Slow clap. Yeah, hold on. Here we well, go. Well, <laughs> I don't even get who this is referencing on it. Like, what dictators have we supported? Is Maybe this they're a- talking um, about like oh, the Banana Republic lots, stuff, actually? Nineteen sixties, Central America, that type of stuff. Sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, twenty tens. Come yeah, on, we're, we've done this we're for a that long the time. The DPO has a, a forty-five second memory bank, and now all of a sudden we're talking about Noriega in the eighties or something like that. Like, <laughs> just come on with this, guys. I mean, no, I, I, I don't. We've always with supported the, dictators. Yeah. yeah, we always have. I again, both both administrations have both sides of the aisle have. We've always done this. 
When it suits our interests, we do this. And again, to have the, you know, uh, to have the hypocritical gall to go and throw this as though it's some knock on Trump right now is just, again, it's the, the, uh, you know, memory of a goldfish that, that you're talking about, Nick. Well, and, and, and yeah, and you, you, Xander, are exactly right. And I, and I fully agree with this plank or, are the sentences the planks or is we're on? Plank? It's a plank, yeah. The plank, yeah. So I, I fully agree with this plank, but I like, I just I don't understand what this is in reference to, given that we've kind of arrived at the conclusion that the party has the Democratic Party of Oregon has a a two second memory, and it's like we're just trying to knock on Trump on something. That's all it is. All it is is, is a knock on Trump. I mean, the last administration, you know, kowtowed to the dictators that were good for the country. Like the, you know, Bush administration did, like the Clinton administration did, like the other Bush administration did. And so it doesn't matter what party's in power. It's just, it's infuriating to think that they have this kind of moral superiority when they've been fine with it when it's been their own team. Full agree. So my stance, and this is kind of why I opposed this entire article um, in general, <laughs> is... Foreign policy in particular is incredibly complex and they're nuanced and shades of gray. And while I would agree with this in principle that supporting dictators is bad, I am hesitant to put this as a definitive black and white statement on a piece of paper because I like dictators For a are school state like Oregon. <laughs> no offense, well, but come on, guys. Well, right. Dictator of Montana is coming in hot. The world. <laughs> the world exists in shades of gray and specifically in when it comes to foreign policy. And if you look at the war in Syria, you look at Israel versus Hamas, you look at some of the, especially these Middle Eastern conflicts and there are no good guys. Like they're all shades of gray and the United States picks one to support because it's less bad than the others. And I don't think that trying to pretend the world exists in black and white is helpful. I think that you have bad guys who do good things occasionally and good guys who do bad things and making a blanket statement that we do not support dictators is uh, it's naive. It, it's naive and it doesn't take into account all of the intricacies of foreign policy and third, third, fourth order effects of what the United States does abroad. Yep. Fully agree. Anyway, dictators are bad, but it's more nuanced than that. Okay. <laughs> Plank 13, we oppose military policies of, quote, nation building, unquote, and regime change. So this is what, <laughs> Xander, go ahead. <laughs> if we can go back to the preamble in which they state our founding documents that we want to go and impose upon foreign policy, um, and then say that we don't want to go and impose nation building, even though that's the preamble of your freaking platform or article right here. It's just like, do it or don't. Just do it or don't. Either you believe that American ideals are so important that they should be spread across the globe, or you don't. And again, we can talk about methods to do that if you think it's the most important thing for the earth and for you know governments at large. That's a good discussion we should have. We should have that discussion, you know. But to say in the and the rights of all persons to live in peace while enjoying the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is in their preamble right here. And yet they're saying also don't nation build. Don't influence them. Don't make them do this. However, they should all do this. Like, At least for what whatever do you it's want? worth, the Democratic Party of Oregon... I think this is why they structured the sentences all the way that they are, because at least this is on physically the next page. It's on the next piece of paper. <laughs> so people like us can't even say, well, it's on the same sheet of paper that they just talked about, all these wonderful things. So that's my that's my take on it. Well, I think this also takes foreign policy and puts it into a black versus white scenario. You know, nation building and regime change. Hey, in principle, I agree. But there's also so many shades of gray to this thing. I mean, this is, I mean, my experience is in Afghanistan. So let's take Afghanistan, for example. You know, 9-11 happens. You've got the Taliban who's in, in control of the country. What do we do? Do we just kind of let things be? Do we not try to regime change? Like that, What in, <laughs> in September of 2001, 
that was not an option. Like regime change absolutely needed to happen. And so we went in and we took care of the, of the Taliban, which was, you know, they're, the United States military is vastly superior to the Taliban. And so now you have this broken, failed state. What do you do with it? You nation build, because otherwise you're just going to let people starve to death and die through unnatural means because you have a vacuum of power. You don't have a central government. That's can I, so like, did you guys see Charlie Wilson's war? Yes. So I haven't. No, I should. Well, uh, okay. So, oh man, James. Oh man, you gotta go watch that movie. I I physically have the DVD. I'll go. I'll it's good. Boomerang. It's it on to Netflix. You. That's probably easier than you. I don't know. You're not yeah, allowed to be, be here somewhere. right now. You're you're remote. So. Uh, yeah, but I don't think you can. So, DVD. for listeners, if you are unfortunate enough to also have not seen Charlie Wilson's War, that's the whole thing is Tom Hanks going through and fighting the covertly fighting the Soviets in Afghanistan. And one of the very last scenes is he's in some sub-basement of the Capitol talking to some second-rank congressman for something, saying, we just spent a billion dollars to win this war. I'm asking to spend a million dollars on schools so that the kids get an education and they don't grow up and turn into radicalists who turn around and fight the Americans. And the congressman laughs in his face and says, Afghanistan, you're still talking about Afghanistan. And then what happened? They turned into radicals and they turned around and they blew up our buildings like... The, yeah. This is the exact thing, like to, to uh, James, to your point, to blanketly oppose anything. And they even put it in quotes, nation building, to just blanketly oppose this when there's, uh, to your points earlier, there, there's so much gray in the world is just is 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 farcical at best. I do want to point out, too, um, I didn't see a lot of this in this particular um, article and I know that this current administration has also not paid a lot of attention to this. Or anything. But the importance on the State Department has not been emphasized enough nearly in this entire article, nor in our own party as well. The State Department is what goes and prevents wars. They prevent, um, you know, international incidents, and they're the ones who are probably best equipped, if you equip them well enough to do that, you know, with Foreign Service officers to go and, like, make the world a better place. You can't use that with the blunt force of the military alone unless you have people that are smart enough to know what to do with it afterwards. Yep, 100%. And so, again, the State Department, I think, is our best weapon that we currently have, regardless of whatever administration is in power right now, to go and actually use diplomacy, use cultural understanding and all these kinds of things to actually go and do do the right thing at the end of the day if you equip them well enough. And that's barely even talked about in here, which is insulting. True story. All right, we're back. We're on to number 14, I guess. We recognize that climate change is a national security threat that causes environmental, economic, and social destabilizations. These impacts may threaten the long-term viability of our democracy, if not responsibly addressed. Who wants to go first? Well, (laughs) so I mean, climate change isn't definitely a problem. But if we're going to talk about how we oppose nation building and like... Should we then be taking our ideas about climate change and imposing them on on other nations? James, that's culturally insensitive, and I'm insulted that you even thought yeah, about that. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, China's China's a good example of this. Like, China has been growing at an exponential rate and polluting their way into prosperity. What do we do? Do do we force regime change and nation building, or do we? Mm-hmm push our ideas of climate change onto China. Like, I don't know. Do we, do we, do we get involved or not? You know, this entire thing, this entire article has been about essentially non-interventionalist, non-interventionalism. And 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 point 14, we're coming in hot, baby. Yeah. So at what point do we start pushing our climate change agenda on China and India? Well, and, and as a, as just a gut, Democrat far left Oregon reaction. Yeah, absolutely. I understand why they put that in there. Of course, the three of us are going to disagree with this, but like you understand why they put it in there in terms of an actual policy solution or some kind of prognosis as to a way forward. There's, I mean, this means absolutely nothing. Like this means less than, (laughs) this means less than the rest of what we just got finished reading, which also meant nothing. Like this means like, this is like (laughs) such a, so far below the rest of the things. It's just like, oh my God, guys, way to, way to end on a note of strength here. Okay. So 
a few things on this really quickly. It is not untrue that the DOD has listed climate change as one of the most challenging things facing this nation's national security. That is a true thing that they've listed continuously for the last like five or 10 years. Like it's up there in like the biggest things. The military is actually gravely concerned with this in all the reports that they've ever put out. They are gravely concerned with climate change going and affecting their ability to provide national security. This administration has ignored that. Uh, which is unfortunate because he's supposed to be like the pro-military president. So maybe listen to the military. I don't know. But again, going back to the how much of our beliefs do we impose upon the world? Because if we did that, you would just, to use a Pacific Northwest term, you would uh, Tanya Harding the economy <laughs> of China and India. You absolutely would. You know they would they would go in in, in an absolute you know. Uh, That's amazing. Downfall. You're welcome. They would they would uh, they would what uh, like they they'd skin their knees on the ice is what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> if you were to go into impose Democratic Party beliefs upon india and china like they would you'd kill their economy like and is that what they actually want like i i don't actually know or is this more platitude like like what is this i think it's, it's i think it's platitude because it's I, I think platitude. that they i don't think that the dpo given the opportunity would take our environmental standards and impose them on china or india I don't think they would. So I think this is all just talking about how climate change is important, which it is. We, uh, also, just before we end, briefly worth mentioning that the three of us, and uh, if I can represent the podcast as a whole, we do not disagree with the assertion on climate change. We believe it is real. We Correct. believe it is a problem. Like We believe the Republican Correct. Party should also adapt that belief. We are not saying we're not climate change. You know, Nothing like that. We, we recognize the scientific reality. We're just saying as phrased in this party platform, in this plank right here is just like, V-I-Rolly. <laughs> well, it's just totally inconsistent with the rest of it. You know, you're going to be non-interventionalist on all of the other planks, and then you come to one where, like, hey, we need to export our climate change policy to the rest of the world. 100%. It's like, well, wait a second. Do, do we take our values and impose them on the rest of the world, or don't we? This sounds a lot like nation building and regime change <laughs> to me. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. So we're a little over time, but uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Berlowski. Lauren Christensen is our producer. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts.